0: Howdy folks, it is Thursday, October 27th. 2011 and this is the bad dog book club this week it's episode 19a the onerous one by vixie fox as read by veva i'm really excited about this story partially because as i believe i've mentioned before we've desperately needed some female-bodied persons who are writers and readers and this week we have both the onerous one comes to us from the book Tales of the First Side, which is a collection of short stories entirely written by Vixie Fox, with accompanying illustrations by Dark Natasha. It's available from Rabbit Valley, and our thanks to Vixie and Rabbit Valley for letting us have it today, and our thanks to Veva reading for us. We hope you enjoy it, and because of the late posting, Toontes and I will be back to discuss it. And because of the late posting, Toonses and I will be back to discuss this one on Monday, November 7th. Enjoy!
1: The following is a short story from the Tales from the First Side collection by Bixie Fox, inspired by the artwork of Dark Natasha. The collection is available at Rabbit Valley Comics on the web at rabbitvalley.com. The onerous one is being read by Fava, the awesome chick from Live from the Hop In podcast, available on the web at fox.rabbitvalley.com podcast. Hi, please forgive mispronunciations as I don't speak odd furry names. And now without more marketing, the onerous one. One cut. That's all that can be. One cut. The perfect cut. It must be perfect. Master Bonati's voice whispered in Tori Cha's thoughts as he stared at his opponent. His mind knew the whisper to be impossible since his master had been dead for full years, but his heart knew the truth. The master was here now to witness his finest hour. It was Tori's final test. If he were killed this day, he wondered, which direction would his soul go when his body released it? His opponent, who had swaggered into the small clearing, hardly looked concerned. To him, Tori Cha was just a pup, hardly worth the effort of a dagger thrust in the back. That was how the great Marcel Diopi Cha usually took care of things, a dagger thrust or a short sword to the back of an unsuspecting opponent. Opponent was hardly the right word, but he would always explain it that way, simple self-defense. Accosted in the woods with no other avenue left open to him, he had no choice but to defend himself. In Tory's view, Marcel Diapi was not worthy of the title Cha, which meant noble warrior. There was nothing noble about him. He was a thief and a murderer, a common brigand, and more had more honor. Till now, Marcel Diapi's band of thugs had completely controlled the countryside. They were the law and they laughed about it over stolen sake until recently. One by one, they had been found mysteriously slain, their bodies lying in clear evidence of a duel. It did not take long before those men who had not run away clearly looked to their leader for a solution. A direct challenge to the wolf inscribed on a wooden plaque had further backed him into a corner. It had been nailed to the lodge door with the dagger of a fallen comrade. You filthy raccoon, I brought you into my brotherhood of warriors, he hissed, having still not withdrawn his sword. Me, Marsal Diapicha, you were a um, manure shoveling nothing. You were still nothing, if I'd only known it was you. The wolf spat on the ground, but Tori did not move from his position. His eyes concentrated on Marsal's middle, as he was taught, allowing his peripheral vision to bring him all of the details he needed to survive. His positioning was called the onerous one, invented by Tori and named by his master, who had disapproved of its use from the very beginning. Look at you, the monk said disapprovingly to a beaming Tori. The raccoon had taken up a crouched and awkward position, holding his wooden sword behind his back, reversing its grip. Your blade is following you and threatens nothing. The way you are holding it shortens its reach, so when you do strike, your enemy will cut down you before you can bridge the distance, between, the distance to him. Tori loved the old man, who referred to him as his woodland kami. The word was properly man, for the master was human, or that is at least the species name he called himself by. The raccoon smiled, showing all of his teeth, and then shook himself, so his fur puffed out all over. He looked in his mind, ferocious and battle-hardened. Master Bonati smiled, stifling his laugh, not wishing to discourage his pupil. Adjusting his robes, he looked off into the distance of the sky and absently rubbed his bald head as he did when when he was considering something of special interest. Presently, he nodded and then glanced briefly in the direction of the sun. As if hearing a voice, he responded with a, Yes, yes, that is so. He does have merit. There is much possibility, but there is also a risk that his life will be cut short by such foolishness. Standing, he looked at that raccoon who had adopted him as a father. Tori brought him much happiness and companionship during his solitude of being a monk. I will make you an offer, and together we shall see how much this invention means to you. Tori snuffed and then hacked twice, indicating to the man that he was willing to listen. The older master smiled at him. With his his fluffed up fur and his banded face, it was hard not to. If you give up this nonsense and concentrate on what I have taught you so far, he told the raccoon, I will give you today half a bowl extra of your rice. If you wish to continue in the study of this onerous position, you must first fast for one week, taking nothing into your body but water. The old man again cocked his head as if listening to an unheard voice. Na, cha, no dig, oo, wasa. yes, yes. I suppose that seems too harsh to you who knows nothing about the souls of men. He made a motion with his hand as if gesturing to another person. If he is willing to go hungry in pursuit of the truth, then there will be purity within his soul when he grasps that truth. He clapped his hands together, making a loud sound. And when the two come together within that purity, my young Tory and that truth, there will be a clean weld as in a well-made sword. The two medals will be bonded forever. Tori was used to the old man's funny ways, but never stopped him from looking for the unseen person. As was always the case, there was no one there. He gave Master Boniti a questioning look. The old man smiled and and motioned that they should begin the training immediately. He meant that. Tori would not be fasting alone. The Master would also fast, staying by his side, every measure of the distance. Marcel, Marcel D'Apicha drew his sword in a sweeping fast draw, moving forward and using the full arc of his swing to bring an impetus that would cut the raccoon in half. Torrey moved a quick step to the left and back just a bit. His impression of the distance was perfect, and Marcel's blade passed over his head, missing by a scant hair's breadth. The wolf trying to recover from the force of the unconnected blow, spun to recover with his sword, held forward and pointing at the raccoon. Surprise showed on his features as they expected treachery of a counterattack. Did not manifest itself. Tori was there just as before, holding steady, keeping perfect position in the onerous one, his eyes seeing everything and then again appearing to see nothing at all you wish to play me boy snarred myself i do not play easy run while you have the chance eh i will tell no one and you can leave with your honor intact tori Chaw said nothing in return his blade was tucked tightly behind his back his legs were in good position the toes of his naked feet firmly gripped the soft soil he had scouted this exact location weeks before and knew that this was the place where he would triumph or be defeated. More important to him than the nature of the landscape, his spirit was ground here. He was at one with the surroundings. He waited for Marcel's next move. After the week of fasting, the student sat cross-leg in front of the teacher. Master Bonati was half again larger than tory who was big for a raccoon and yet the master had told him among other men he himself was very small between the two was a large bowl of rice to tory's surprise the man inserted two wooden spoons into the white mound rice is the sustenance of the body he said softly and the body is a keeper of the soul you must feed the one in order to preserve the other some day, young Tori, when your body has lost its grip on what we call life and your soul is released, I hope your life's reflection will allow it to go to a good place. It is my belief that before it is to travel, the soul is allowed a last meal as it reflects on the life it is leaving. He bowed to the raccoon. On that day, I will meet you there on the other side, and we shall again share a bowl of rice, eh? He smiled, and the smile was infectious. Master Bonatti then motioned to his student that he was to have the honor of the first spoonful. Tori knew he would forever remember this moment. One week without food, and now the first spoonful of rice. It was such an honor. Marcel Diapica charged forward, slashing from right to left, cutting at a target he felt would be easy to strike. He was hit square in the face with a handful of dirt and his slash went wide, cutting only air. He had expected to make a series of flowing cuts, which of one of which would certainly have taken off the raccoon's head, but the dirt stopped him full in, in his charge, and he was forced to retreat to a safe distance. His blade fanned about blindly, trying to find the counterattack that most certainly should have been there. As he coughed and spit, the idea that he may have misjudged the raccoon crossed his mind but his ego kept it from finding a firm grip and his mouth uttered curses as he chased it away tori smiled the curses showed a weak spirit when the wolf could again see clearly he found that the raccoon had not moved from the onerous one in fact it did not look as if he had moved at all shaking himself he assumed a different position Sword guard high, blade tip low, and the edge turned towards his opponent. He cautiously moved in a circular motion to his right. Tori Cha, inch by inch, pivoted his body, following the wolf's movements, but still he maintained his position. He did not back down, making his, the position of strength, the shore that Marcel Diopi Cha's wave would crash upon, the eternal battle of the ocean against the earth. And how long, my young friend, do you think you can maintain your position? asked Master Bonity. He moved slightly backwards and then a little bit to the left, watching the raccoon watch him. It was an exercise that the pair had developed to better Tori's ability to read his sixth sense. Master Bonity was one of the belief that many things entered into the use of the sword, and a swordsman's ability to just know was primary among the other things he needed in order to survive. To draw your weapon prematurely could easily get you killed. It would also demonstrate to the enemy that you were not in control of your body. Fear was. The man knew that the use of fear was a tool the same as the hammer that had forged the sword being wielded. He smiled at Tori's level of concentration, but this was also a bad thing. To concentrate with such intensity blocked out all other sensory input. Do you hear the bird chirping in the tree over there? Tori's intense stare lightened slightly as he listened for the bird. Its chirping sounded like a very tiny piccolo playing the scale. He nodded. Can you tell me what the bird is telling us? Mashrapanity moved quickly to one side, repositioning his quarterstaff to straightforward offensive position. Tori pivoted slightly and shook his head in the negative. He is telling us that he is not afraid. We have become commonplace to him. He is also telling us that no one is coming up the path, otherwise he would have taken flight. There was a crashing sound in the brush behind them, and the bird burst into the air, a red blur as it took flight. Tori spun to face the newest threat, and Master Bonati reached out quickly, thumping him on the head with his quarterstaff. Tori jumped to the side, chattering angrily. The old man laughed a deep, loud laugh all the way from his belly. When he got control of himself, he said, be as mad as you want, you fell right into the trap. I had our leaky bucket holding down a sapling. When the water had gone, the sapling stood straight. The bird flew away and you, he emphasized this word by pointing his quarterstaff at the raccoon, turned right around. Tori snorted his displeasure at having been tricked. It had not been fair in the sense of fair play, but it had certainly proved a valid point. Come, the master said to his student, smiling now in a different way. I have something for you, and I believe the time has come for you to receive it. Tori followed him into the cave the pair had called home for more than three years. He was surprised when the master motioned him to follow back into the area of the cave that was exclusively his this was the first time the raccoon had been asked to do so to the human the human stopped at the one candle that was burning and touched a straw to the flame with this he lit five more small candles from one of these he ignited a long stick of sweet smelling incense placing it in a niche near the first candle bowing to his student in a formal manner he motioned him to sit upon the straw on the floor. He then crossed to a small rack upon which was a curved object covered with a silk bag and tied on the end with a gold-colored cord. Picking this up with both hands, he bowed slightly and touched it to his forehead. Returning then to the cedar raccoon, he held the object with deference and gentleness. One does not ever truly own a sword as you and I know them. For the common brigand, a sword is nothing more than a sharpened piece of metal with which he makes a bloody living. But to a cha, to a true warrior, a sword can reach out and touch his soul. There is a bonding, and that bond is for a lifetime. This sword has whispered to me, Tori Cha, that it wishes to touch your soul and to be touched in return by your hand master Bonati untied the cord and slid the plain wooden scabbard out of its silken sheath sitting next to tori so that the raccoon was on his left the side away from his sword arm he passed it across on open palms i do not give you this because it is not mine to give I am acting on a request from an old, old friend. The sword's name is Nanun, and she has asked to be passed along to you. She was peered into the future, you see, and though she has not told me what was seen, she has told me that you will need her services. Tori could say nothing. In fact, as the old man held out the sword to him, he made no move to take it. It was at the moment when he had heard the whisper. He looked quickly around, and then, remembering his last lesson, looked quickly back to the human, giving him a hard look for having tricked him again. There was no look of humor in the master's eyes, though. Instead, his was a look of wonderment. She has spoken to you? Tori gave him a quizzical look, and then he clearly heard his name whispered. The candle closest to him went out, and the swirl of the incense smoke He saw the form of a young human girl, and then she was gone. Slowly, delicately, he held out both hands towards his master's palms, upwards. And the sword was passed to him in the same manner. In the passing of the sword, Tori Cha failed to see the sadness in his master's eyes, nor did he hear the whispered words of the sword-passing poem. May she guide you, may she protect you. And may she become your lover, keeping your soul warm when it is confronted by the icy winds of hell. My time in this world is now done." The following morning, Tori Chaw found his master lying on his mat, cold and not breathing. Marsal Diapichaw was now out of breath. All of his time spent in the brothels and of holding close the finer things of life had softened him. Seven times he tried to bring Tori Cha to combat, and seven times he had not been able to. Each of his sword strokes had come so close, and yet he had not been able to draw even a drop of blood. He was now afraid, and Tori could smell the fear as a dog would smell the heat of a bitch in season. I am I am sorry, Tory Cha. Will you spare me? Marcel Dioppy asked, his chest heaving. In Tori's eyes, whatever honor the wolf might have had left was spilled to the ground like urine passed by a pig. He was unmoved. He had seen the destruction performed at the command of this person, indeed, at his very hands. He knew what he was called to do, but though he'd killed as was required in battle, he did not think he could kill someone in cold blood. Part of him urged that he go on the attack and finish things before Mursal, Mursal Diapicha could throw down his sword but another part of him urged that he stay with his training and not waver do not give in to the bloodlust, whispered Master Boniti's voice the earth is full of the bodies of those who have likened to the kill please Tori Cha, I am begging you for my miserable life You may have what I own, take it all, but leave me to walk away. During this pathetic outburst, Marcel Diapichal allowed his sword to waver, but he did not throw it down. Tori did not know, know it, but the wolf had used begging for his life as a ploy more than once. It was the ace he always kept tucked up under his sleeve, and that ace had brought him to the place of power which he had corrupted to his own use. Tori heard the crunch of a step behind him at the same, and at the same moment saw the smile that fleetingly passed across Masaral's features. It was at this moment he realized there were no birds singing. Without thought, he spun out and cut, his blade passing evenly through the torso of a fox that had his sword poised to take off his head. Five actions followed in quick succession, the colors and smells all blending into a bloody tapestry that the raccoon would remember later as not much more than a blur. Three more of the brigands jumped forward and died almost as one, two of them cut down by the same sword stroke. In Tori's mind, it was over in the blink of an eye. Five had jumped him, five were dead, and he was back in the onerous one again, facing Marcel Diapichal. Marcel, acting on the ambush, he felt would be the quick death of the raccoon, gathered what courage he had left, raised his sword above his head, and charged with a frightful scream. Tori shot out of the onerous one exactly as he practiced hundreds and hundreds of times. The two combatants closed the distance on each other like lightning and thunder happening in the same small space of time. Tori was the lightning and Marcel Diapicha was the thunder. Thunder always happens after the lightning. And though it is frightening, it will never harm any living thing. Lightning, on the other hand, kills instantly and without thought. In the speed of his attack, Tori Cha moved under Marcel Diopi descending blade and made the one cut. The one perfect and clean cut that had to be made.